It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, this is episode zero of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast. Uh, What the hell is the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast? Where the hell did you get the name? Well, if you don't know, then you don't know. If you want to know... I don't know, do some of your Mariners history. So basically this podcast is just, I don't know, an alternative underground dive bar version of uh, a Seattle Mariners podcast, you know, hosted by me, Myron Sumner. Who am I? You can Google me, uh, but uh, basically I'm a diehard, lifelong Mariners fan. And by diehard, I have fell in and out of love, obviously, with the team. It's been, you know... As we all know, the last 20-so years has not been great. There's been a lot of heartache, but, you know, the tide is turning for the good ship Seattle Mariners. Um, What's going to happen on this podcast? I don't know. We'll do things like real podcasts do, like, uh, you know, dive deeper into subjects. Um, Obviously... In a uh, in the sports realm of podcasts, you gotta stay up to date on things that are going on, and we'll do our best with that. I'm thinking about two to three episodes uh, a week, um, so maybe before this series and after the series. I definitely would like to get some of my uh, <clears throat> Hollywood celebrity guests from the television and film industry on here and just, you know, do some storytelling, talk some baseball, obviously all Mariners baseball and, you know, but we'll, you know, let some of our opposition talk here and there. Um, I'm definitely going to be talking with my friends um, back in Seattle that I went to Ballard High School with. That's kind of been the uh, idea of this podcast was I do talk Mariners baseball, and I do it usually over the phone where I just said, hey, why don't I make a podcast with, uh, you know, some of my friends and just do this. And that's basically what Rye Bread and Mustard podcast is going to be. You know, we're hoping to get some followers, get some listeners, get some interaction, get some questions. Um, 
as of right now, we're setting up the Twitter page, the Instagram page, and all those good things. So stay tuned for uh, more information on that. If you want to see what's going on with this podcast and see how it grows or see how it just nose dives into the ground, you know, click and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. This episode zero is basically, you know, a test run just to put something up, um, get approved on Apple, um, Spotify, all those, all those good places. They kind of require, um, know an episode upload so we're just trying to get approved and then we'll start you know putting them out a little more often and this and that um and so i guess about episode zero it's it's just a free-flowing conversation between me and chris hansen on this episode uh my friend of many 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 years and basically the most loyal seattle mariners fan that i know um i think we covered some of the new quickly just like the new rule changes that came in we talked about the outfield uh um robbie ray some of the pitching unfortunately we have to end with the catching situation on our team which isn't all that great you can hear what's going on we talk about some uh old random stuff i think we even talk about the san diego chicken and the mariner moose whatever it's episode zero check us out and uh, hopefully keep coming back. This is the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Podcast, Episode Zero. I've been trying to do this episode for the last couple of months, but because of the lockout, I just didn't want to do it. I tried to do, how many times have we tried to do this episode, Chris? At least two. Uh, at, least, at least three or four times, maybe or around there, you know, but... Uh... Well, I'm the main thing is we got 162, you know, we're starting a little bit late. We'll make it up on the back end, you know, maybe this might be the first time the Mariners ever play this late, you know, hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? There's a few double headers in there and it sucks and it really sucks. But luckily this time the double headers are in Seattle. They're not in Detroit or Toronto or Cleveland or New York, or Boston, or anywhere from the Midwest to the Eastern Seaboard, which I don't know why they even schedule games there in April, because the weather I is hear, not good. I hear you. This might be the first ever, ever doubleheader in uh, in our lifetime for the Mariners, you know, at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're also spread out throughout the year. Um, they're not... Uh, we're not playing a doubleheader of three games and then having to, uh, you know, make them up on off days because this happened to be a division rivalry game. So the Mariners are very fortunate and they were home games. So I think the other two series, if I believe, or three series that they come to Seattle, they play the doubleheaders in Seattle. Yeah. And I believe they're going to be this is the last year they're going to be seven inning doubleheaders. Do you know that for a fact? I think I heard something like well, that. No, the doubleheaders are still nine innings. They have now decided, even though this wasn't the CBA, they start extra inning games with a runner on second base, which I absolutely fucking hate. Yeah. I know. That I hear you. You're a baseball purist. I get it. I'm not a purist. There's certain rules that I think you shouldn't change. Um, I'm all for the DH and 
the National League. Yeah, it takes the, you know, a little bit out of the manager's hands. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is battling back or holding a team off to make extra innings to pitch one pitch in a CNI single or bloop or a bloop hit or a check swing that pops over the infield's head and drops in between the left fielder and the shortstop ends a game. Well, let me play devil's advocate. Um, you know, it can tax your bullpen. You know, last year Seattle's bullpen was one of their stronger suits. You know, it's up for debate this year. You know, it's pretty hard to have two back-to-back um, big-time years from your bullpen, you know, especially with guys that aren't as big a name. But, you know, uh, what if the game goes long innings, you know? Does, does that not worry you about the pitching situation in the next day? We aren't very deep, but, you know, well, I, I see where you're coming from, though. Yeah, the ghost runner of the Seattle Mariners, to be fair, were very successful with it. I do think it helps a team that isn't a strong percentagely hitting team like the Mariners were. I was personally at like two or three of those walk-offs last year. So, I mean, I am kind of going against what formula worked for the Mariners. Now, on the other hand, though, I do like the moving the one runner over. A guy walking on the on the first base to lead off the inning means so much. Where you can bunt, is this guy stealing? I think it eliminates maybe one of the more exciting plays in the game. And that's the stolen base late in the game where the sacrifice lay down with the runners in motion, the infield in a defensive uh, shift to where they think the ball's being played. I think that's definitely now with the DH in the NL and the ghost runner on second base. I mean, the manager is starting to become uh, less and less important in these situations. I feel like. Yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the strategy goes out that way. I mean, there's still a little strategy. Do you bunt the guy over from second to third right away? I mean, bunting's not really much in the game anyway, but hopefully, you know, that strategy and stuff comes back in the game because, I mean, that's what makes baseball special, you know? No, it does. It does. It does. It does. I'm ready to rock. I'm it's going to be fun. I am ready to rock. And it seems like our team this year's 2022 Mariners, for the most part, barring a big, huge blockbuster, unforeseen trade, which can happen in professional sports, but... I doubt that's going to happen before opening day. You might see some small additions. I think right now this is the team going off of what Jerry Depoto, the general manager, says, going off of what our pundits on your KJR station that you like and my 710 now, 710 Sports, no longer uh, 710 ESPN, are reporting this is probably the team. This is probably what you are going to see. The guys that are there in camp on the team right now is going to make up whatever the what twenty eight uh, player roster to start. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, I mean, I know we'll get into it a little later. Um, we're there's some there's some big big decisions to be made. You know, as far as how many guys we're going to carry in the pen, how many position players, and I already see a couple guys that might surprise you that might need to start off in the minors you know when we go through the roster here later i'm excited uh 
yeah. Jerry made some big moves in the offseason and uh, lots to talk about in Mariner baseball, especially after ending last year the way we did. Yeah, and uh, you and I were both at game 162. Uh, if you don't, if you need uh, clarification or confirmation, I should say, go uh, pull up uh, game 162, Mariners, Angels, uh, and you can see can see our faces we are in the bullpen stuffing ourselves with ballard pizza and drinking mac and jacks <laughs> out in the bullpen i you know was so enthused and just inspired by the mariners you know run there at the end of the season that on game 161 i was watching down here in los angeles california after that back and forth game they won against the Angels to put themselves in a position to go to possibly go to the postseason for the first time in you know my legal drinking age, I got on the first airplane I could that morning and I got up to Seattle and uh, met you down at uh, T-Mobile. Yeah, man. I mean, it was exciting. Uh... Going into that last weekend, it was cool to be back down there, you know, on Occidental Avenue, having some beers, feeling the vibe, you know. I don't remember too much about that day. I remember mainly the feelings. I was on a limited amount of sleep. And let's be honest, after the first inning there, we were doing like some kind of like funeral drinking, you know. Yeah, you bring up when we were on Root Sports. I vaguely, I, mean, I was the same way. We were we were kicking it hard, you know, excited. And uh, but I feel like that was around the third inning, and when we got caught on camera there, and I think Casey Sadler was warming up at the time in the third. That that was a rough game. That that was a rough game. That's when Tyler Anderson was trying to pull his Randy Johnson impression that week, pitching a thousand innings. But here's the deal. Tyler Anderson is no Randy Johnson, and um, uh, he's no longer a Mariner, so fuck him. I don't want to talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Hannah, I'm setting the tone right now. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ballgame. I want to see the ants. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. What the fuck ever happened to the San Diego Chicken, Chris? Does, does, oh, does, he, does, does he still exist or is it just... I, I would imagine so, but maybe not. You hear nothing about him. But, man, when I was young, I always wanted to go to that game so bad. The San Diego chicken, I don't think he had anything to do with the Padres, did he? He was just the chicken? Because he would – it was like a big or, night. Remember at the Kingdom? It was like a big night. It was like Elvira <laughs> coming or whoever was big back then. I mean, it was – Yeah, because we didn't have the moose at that time, did we? We did not have the Mariner Moose. I don't believe we had the Mariner Moose until 1989, I believe. The Mariner Moose. uh, I mean, where does the Mariner Moose stack up uh, against the San Diego Chicken? Oh, I mean, he's 
he's not in the same category, but I still got much props for him, you know, being a Seattle guy and the homer that I am. I know you, you always loved it. Uh, you know, like, you know, while the Mariners, you're right. Where the Mariners Moose was the Mariners' first time full-time mascot. The team had previously held a mascot competition in 1979, actually, in response to the popularity of the San Diego Chicken. Uh, so there was a mascot selected to be the Mariners, and the winner of that competition was called Spacey the Needle, which is <laughs> which was a man that wore a hat. Resembling the top of the space needle while on stilts, and a man oh, in wow. a diaper, and a <laughs> and a man in a diaper took second place. So, oh. <laughs> so we were real creative back in that time, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. Now the San Diego Chicken itself was a temporary Mariners mascot for six straight games before the All Star Game, and his actions in one game prompted future Mariners. Uh, manager Lou Pinella, then a New York Yankees player, to throw his glove at him. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yes. So, in 1990, a contest for children 14 and under was held to select the mascot for the team, then under the new owner, Jeff Smolian. If I know that story, yep. And if you don't know who Jeff Smolian is, he bought the Mariners and also tried to sell off the Mariners to uh, and move them to Tampa, Florida, correct? Correct. Uh, so, out of 2,500 entries received, the club chose the Mariner Moose. Um, it was actually submitted by somebody named Amon Spiller of Bellingham, Washington, then a fifth grader at Central Elementary School nearby Ferndale. And he got rewarded with one thousand dollars so what i would love to do sometime is uh look up this guy and try to get him on here and see what he's thought about the moose because i mean basically this is you know his orphaned mascot right yeah that's cool that would be really cool just to catch up with him i mean what was that uh 22 years ago now yeah 32 years ago. Or 30, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. I went to Ballard High School. So, you know, Seattle Public Seattle Public School education wasn't my forte. Yeah. What's one of your favorite Mariner Moose moments? Oh, I mean, there's a couple of them. But the, uh, the one where he was involved with Coco Chris and he was riding his quad up the left field line in front of the third base dugout when Boston was in town. And in Coco was... Yeah, exactly. And um, Coco was running out to left field, and there was a collision. And uh, luckily, Coco didn't get seriously hurt, you know. But that's just that's just typical crazy Mariner Moose stuff, you yeah. know. Wasn't there? Didn't he break his ankle in the playoffs or something? Or yeah, that was back in the Kingdom when he was the same situation with a quad, but he was not driving the quad. His uh, sidekick was just a Mariner ground crew guy, but he was on the back kind of with a water ski, you know, rope or whatever, but he was on um, rollerblades. And, uh, you know, they always used to open up that left field wall there, you know, where they stored the cage in the kingdom after BP, that part that opened up. Well, that opened up, the the, the, uh, truck swung by in the left field, 
he let go of the rope and was supposed to just gingerly wheel into there. But uh, he slipped on the warning track. You know, he didn't know his steps, how far he was away from the wall like Junior did, obviously, you know, and he went down and uh, hurt his ankle. I think he tore his something. Already thinking about warm weather, golf under sunny skies, and springtime baseball? Then now's the time to think about a Seattle Mariners spring training tour. Spend three, five, or seven nights in sunny Arizona and enjoy benefits only available with official Mariners spring training tours, including dinner and chalk talk with manager Lou Pinella. Book your tour now with a no-risk guarantee. Call 1-800-8-WARM-UP for spring training with the Seattle Mariners. Call now. Hmm, I don't know. There's... Something about that, that sounds like a scam. Uh, Lou Pinella still coaching the team. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a an updated ad. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's transition here. Uh, let's talk about the team. Let's just, let's pretend we're analysts now. Uh, what do you, what do you like in Chris? What are you seeing that you really like here in this, uh, this start of the 22 uh, season down in spring training? So, the one thing I do like about the Mariners this year is I our starting pitching. I think it's above average. You know, I don't, I haven't found, I haven't checked out the rest of the West starting five, but our starting five I think is good. You know, I got to see Gilbert pitch on the highlights today. He looks good. I was just reading that because of the lockout, he wasn't able to um, talk to the Mariners brass, but he knew he wanted to improve on his off-speed pitches that really were his weakness last year, locating him, throwing him consistently. But uh, he reached out to Jacob DeGrom, I was reading, and he showed him some different grips. And I noticed it seeing it today. His off-speed stuff looks good, you know. And, um, you know, getting the Cy Young Award winner in here, hopefully another good solid year from Flexman. Marco coming through and doing what Marco does. And then, you know, the number five spots, you know, up for uh, competition, but everything I've read and the stuff I've seen, I'm impressed with Matty Brass, the young kid that we got in the uh, trade from San Diego. So, plus we have all those other arms down down the farm. So, you know, we could go get somebody, but uh, I'd like to see at least the first month, see what we can do with those young kids possibly. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? I think we are going to have our a good, strong five, whether it's Brash, whether we bring in a veteran, um, I just hope it's we have to play Brash not because we need him to come up and pitch. You know, like last year we needed Logan to come up and pitch. Well, there was other people that we brought up that we needed to pitch that didn't work out. Okay, we handed over uh, the five slot or the six slot to you know Justin Dunn. Sheffield and some other rotational pitchers that came in. I mean, uh, I think he, uh, service went through like a historic amount of, of starting pitchers last year. And right now we're not in that boat anymore. Thank God that boat had a hole in it, a huge fucking gaping hole in it. That was plugged up every time with bubble gum. And it was pain. It was painful. Sorry to cut you off real quick, but it, it was so painful watching that. You know, having these openers come out. It was a so-called opener for the game. You know, and just knowing that we're down three nothing in in a few innings. It was it was hard. It was terrible. But Jerry, you know, got somebody late in the year, but it was little too little too late. You know. Yes. And speaking of 
you know, uh, Robbie Ray. I think right before we signed him and we had the MLB lockout from the Players Union, I think a lot of the, you know, allure or shine of how big of a signing this is went away because I think our focus got shifted on like what we need for the lineup. Are we going to get Chris Bryant? Are we going to get Trevor Story? Are, is Correa going to show up here? What? And a lot of these big storylines didn't really unfold. Yes, the Winker trade I think is a great trade. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But just going back to the Ray, I think we have forgotten what we've we've gotten. But not everybody feels like that. In fact, there is a, a columnist or or a blogger or a I'm some sort of sports writer. Uh, he's you know far far more accomplished than me in sports. Uh, but his name is Brandon Scott. You can look him up on Twitter. Shout out to Brandon Scott for you know bringing this up. But he believes in his top ten of uh, busts of you know potential free agency busts. He has a top ten. And coming in at number one, number uno, the biggest potential of a bust, he has Robbie Ray. Because, he says, before the 2021 season, Ray has decidedly, unremarkably been walking batters at a high rate and mostly considered to be a salary dump when he was traded from the D-backs to Toronto in 2020. All of a sudden, he's the AL strikeout and ERA leader which, you know, he did drastically had a lower walking rate at 6.7 last year compared to the 11 he had the rest of the year. So it really was about the walks. So this guy still questions the Mariners of paying $115 million over five years for what might have been largely an, an abnormality. Where, okay, I get it. If you just want to go on... What it is, but here's the thing about pitchers, especially at the age that he is, he has figured it out. And you want to know what the big difference that he's pointed out, and I agree with him, there was a lot less walks last year. So I feel like cutting down on the walks is something that a pitcher can figure out quite easily. A pitcher, oh, saying, a pitcher saying, hey, I got to pick up some speed on my fastball or – you know, some more inches on my curveball. That's a whole nother thing. But just not walking people, I don't feel like that is such a huge, drastic, unbelievable change that you don't see uh, continuing. I, I agree. Um, yeah, basically, I mean, putting guys on, how many times have we seen that, even in late innings with the bullpen, putting the guy on and they come around the score? I mean, you can't have walks. You're right. Yeah. And I something I heard, too, was that the pitching coach he worked with in uh, Toronto, they so-called figured something out together. So, you know, hopefully that continues here and, uh, you know, benefits the Mariners. So, Yeah. Honest feeling right now. You, you're, you're down to your last 50 bucks. You're a degenerate gambler in a casino. You're hanging up on Aurora at the Hollywood Inn, whatever that is, <laughs> Hollywood Casino up on Aurora. 
You got 50 bucks. They're doing a weird sports book now in my story. And you can take that 50 bucks and put it on yes or no. Is Julio Rodriguez starting this season on the 28-man roster? I mean, I think you have to. If I was betting, I would say yes. What makes you say that? Yeah, I mean, just just looking at the roster, seeing what we have, there's got, there needs to be some tough, tough decisions if he does make it. Um, you know, as far as having that 13-man um, fielders or, you know, position players, I should say, um, you're going to have to drop somebody down. I mean, are you going to keep Billy Hamilton? If you keep him... And Julio, you're going to have to uh, probably send down um, Big Dumper, you know, and play because he'll play every day. And you're going to have to go with Murphy and Torrens as your backup, in my opinion. Yeah, there is just a lot of like guys out there that you can't really throw three guys out there and say defensively you feel super great about that out there. Yeah, and he's as options too, you know. Yeah. People- and I think that's where Billy Hamilton kind of like, when I saw the signing, I was like, I think I text you back when you told me about it, or maybe it was my cousin. I said, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. And then today I watched him in spring training quick, gets his hands in on the ball. I saw him uh, drop one down the line. He just has that obvious veteran presence that the outfield doesn't have outside of Hanniger. Billy Hamilton's like a really good defensive outfielder, right? Or has been. Yeah, you like having that yeah, that skill set on your team. Yeah, a late, uh, also a leader that can come in late in the game and be out in the field. Because I think Hanniger, you know, by design is going to see see a lot of DHing this year. I think I think yeah. keeping him healthy and keeping him, you know him just focused up at the plate is going to be an approach I'm sure along with Kyle Lewis uh, yeah and if you bring Billy in as a defensive replacement it's not like he would go in for Julio I mean he could but you could also slide him in for slide Julio over to right or left and put Billy in at center you know or you don't have to play Julio every day if he's on the team if he's playing three games a week in the major leagues to start off is that better than every day in the minor leagues i think so if he can handle it yeah it's hard to say i bet if it just seems like if he was uh, i would think they'd want him to play more that's just my opinion i'm just saying like a tough right-hander like verlander's out there you don't have to or you know somebody like that you don't have to throw you do not have to throw julio rodriguez out to the wolves with that you can you know, play these good matchups, have them hit against lefties. Winker supposedly doesn't hit lefties good. Uh, he hits right-handers amazingly. And I totally agree with all that, and I think the Mariners roster is constructed that way to play matchups in every position, in the outfield, you know, on the infield, and it seems like that's kind of the way service rolls, too. You know, he likes to give guys rest, Um and play the matchups, play the righty-lefty game. And, and we have a lot of that and a lot of different options. So, um, And like I said, the biggest thing is that's the way the roster is constricted to me. 
constructed. Excuse me. Yeah, and I think bringing Winker over was a great, great trade, especially for what you gave up, right? I mean, how, what, um, did you, what did you think about Dunn? What do you think about what we gave up there? Oh, Dunn was a throw-in to me. mean nothing. Personally, good pitcher, probably a tweener. You know, maybe a starter, maybe a bullpen guy, but he wasn't, I wasn't disappointed. You know what I mean? You had to give something up to give him, and that's probably the guy I would like to give up. I thought it was an excellent trade. Um, and the the big piece that we gave up, you'd say, was obviously the... Uh, the Mr. Williams. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of talent, you know, rated kind of high in the system, you know. I don't remember what number he is, but I remember looking back today, seeing that uh, that San Diego trade we did to get all those guys. Um, Tremel was ranked number four in the San Diego system at the time. So they're all numbers, and, you know, looking back at it, I don't think Tremel's a number four guy in our system. So it just all depends, you know, on how guys develop and all that stuff. But I, I was very happy with the trade. The only way I'm putting Tremel back up to start off the season is he's got to really tear it up here in the next couple of weeks at spring training. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's not even in the conversation right now for me. Yeah. Him, White, Dylan Moore, all of these guys I think could be useful to trade for something I think we need more than uh, – uh, outfield position think, or or um utility players because the utility player that we have right now in uh adam frazier's i feel like that's all we're gonna need and then if we need a yeah. backup if we bring a backup up we could bring dalton up or we could trade dalton i don't think we need a mariners team where we have dalton and we have frazier and we have dylan moore and we have toro yeah from like all the we things have a surplus from, of these utility players that hit low 200s. Yeah, Toro's a switch hitter. I've seen that more, more than likely in that scenario I talked about with Big Dumper going down and keeping just the two catchers, more would make the team, you know. But you've got to make a decision once. Hopefully Kyle Lewis is then healthy. You would think that he would take over for more. That's what I would think or do, but... You know, even though it's an expanded roster with 28 guys, you know, going with 13 position players, it's still hard to, you know, we need our young guys to play well this year. I know I've said it earlier, but that's my thing. They need to improve from what they did last year. Kelvin, you know, Julio has shown it. I think he's ready to go. I, um, so I think Kelvin's ready to go, too. I mean, even the, a few of his outs that I've seen. Uh, hitless streak, all this and that. And the guy also, I think, is just done from what you're reading and hearing, you know, from like, you know, great journalists like uh, Shannon Dreyer and all these insiders that travel and they're around the Mariners and they're good sources is that, you know, he like mentally had to get through it too last year. Like he never, ever had not had success at any level. And he's obviously a fiery player he's kind of a throwback in that way you know you know in september uh after he went down to the minor leagues and came back he showed me a lot and he obviously adjusted and fixed a lot of shit down in the minor leagues yeah i mean i'm you know me i was number one fan of the 
JK fan club, you know. I was ride or die with him, even though he was over 42 last year, you know. I would try to stick up for him, you know. I had tunnel vision on because I am that high on him. But you're right, you know. I'm just hoping he improves. You know, I'm hoping. I'm seeing late 20 home runs, maybe get into the 30s and hit 250 to 270. That's what I'm thinking he could be this year. Yeah. And you don't have a Jared Kelnick in September. You don't have me flying up to Seattle and me and you shoving our fucking fat faces on Root Sports, okay? He carried the team through September offensively. Yeah, and he's that type of guy, like you said. He's got that moxie. He wants to be in those situations. You know, he's holding up the belief sign. He wants to be kind of the center of attention type guy he kind of feeds off of it you know and uh i it helped him you know sometimes going through those struggles early might have helped him you know and uh i'm just really excited to see what him what he can do this year offensively defensively you know he's not really a center fielder they'll put him out there he'll probably play it but that's probably not his best position and uh but if the bat plays you'll play anywhere you know what i'm saying yeah and that's what would be great to get kyle lewis somehow back to just what we expected from kyle lewis because he could go get that ball i totally agree i'm just i've heard more you know insiders and sports radio guys and everybody just keep coming back to oh he can't play every day out there i if he does that makes our team so much better and stronger and gives me more confidence in our team if we can get a good, not even 100% Kyle Lewis, like an 80 or 90, you know, the guy that can, he can pick it out there. So I'm with you. It would be a huge bonus if he can come back and play center field. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the position that we both have just been like, with the Mariners, but it's also... I don't know. Like you said, there's really nothing you can do. But is it's our, behind the plate? It's just not been a high point. And in fact, I feel like uh, the organization was a little bit wrong on not being more patient with Mike Zanino because uh, I mean Raleigh, yes, is an up and coming catcher, switch hitters, got some power. He's a uh, you know, I guess plus defensively, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a play that makes it. Tom Murphy, he's a backup catcher. That's what he is. Torrens, showing that he can hit, but he's not going to be the catcher that you want behind the plate. Could he possibly, you know, somehow turn into our everyday day DH? Well, there's got to be more of... Uh, a sample size to say that Um, but the reports are that if he wants to be on this team and he uh, wants to be a part of the you know the everyday thing the Mariner machine he's got to be a catcher yeah I agree I mean he proved that he could hit last year he was clutch you know obviously he looked lackadaisical and fundamentally not there yet behind the plate to me but and then Tom Murphy, you know, he's up, he's solid. He's okay. I mean, I rag on him. I shouldn't say he's solid, but I'm hoping from him that he improves. You know, 
on his defense somewhat to what he had a couple of years ago. And most importantly, his bat two years ago, he was a really solid player for us, you know, had an off year last year. But, um, yeah, catcher is one of those that, you know, coming down the stretch if we're in it, maybe there's a deal Jerry can swing, you know? Yeah, I just want a catcher, Chris. I just want a catcher because they can't run into you at home plate anymore, correct? Am I right? Yes. Yeah. You cannot do this unless you're completely covering the plate, right? Like unless you're just blocking it and but the players got to go. I don't know. We got to look at the rule book. Anyways, there's no more. Pete Rose, fucking Roy Fossey moments anymore, okay? No. So, so, how come Chris last year, I bet you I can count uh, on less than two hands. Uh, I'm with you. I got I, one I, hand. I, made my it. number is seven. Seven. So two times that. <laughs> um, an assist from a fielder, mainly a cutoff man or an outfielder, the ball had come to the plate. On a dime, we're talking Jay Buner, Candy Hop, you know. Before the player, before the player's even on the catcher, he's still around in third. He's yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, it's not a bang yeah. bang play, and and there was drops. I know what you're trying to say. Sorry, Can, Candy Hop, right? Just a Candy Hop. Oh. If you don't know what oh, a baseball yeah. Candy Hop is, go watch some uh, AstroTurf uh, games from the Kingdom, uh, from the Astrodome. From the Metro Dome, a candy hop is just like a bounce that just the ball just comes right to your chest. Do you ever been thrown a ball that's been bounced to you, whether it's a basketball, a baseball, uh, uh, you know, a wall ball, just a easy, <laughs> easy chest pass in basketball, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, a nice pass in the flats in football. It's oh, it's something that should yeah. be caught. And applied and tagged. And for some reason, last year, I don't know if they weren't breaking their gloves in enough. I don't know <laughs> if they just kept trampolines inside the webs of their gloves. But the ball was bouncing out, and the and the and the tag was not happening any at any time. Because the catcher didn't even have it in his glove. That was the most frustrating part. The player was the throw had always beaten the player. It seemed like, like you said, it was a candy hop. He went to reach and throw the tag down, and the, the ball would not be in his glove. It was so frustrating. I, yeah, killed kills me. That's just what I mean. Zanino, Zanino was just an ace behind the plate, you know? And it turns out, hitting a bunch of power numbers, having a bunch of power numbers and having a shitty batting average just turned out to be like the norm in the league. <laughs> you know, but when they traded him to Tampa Bay, that wasn't the norm. That was not the norm. That was uh, this isn't this isn't working. And, yeah. And I don't think Zanino was one of Depoto's guys, so I think that was a big part of this, right? And it seems yeah, like, Jerry was looking to wheel and deal for sure. Yeah, Jerry is a dealer. Um, we're, you know what, we're already filling up our time here. We're already at, uh, almost about 50 minutes here, Chris. <laughs> Remember I told you it was just, we were going to get on here and do like, maybe like a two or three minute trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shit happens, but I mean, look, we, we didn't, obviously we didn't get through the whole team, but we did talk a lot about the outfielders. Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about some of the out, other outfielders like the Hanegers and, um, 
definitely need to talk things all Thai France, right? And dive deeper in on yeah. Frazier and in the bullpen, right? You want to talk about the bullpen next episode? Yeah. I mean, Gary's a wheeler and dealer. We'll see what, uh, see if anything will change or if we're going to go north with the hometown nine with this team. Yeah, and uh, we still, I still feel like I know that we don't want to talk about last season too much or the teams before, but I'd love to just dive quickly one more time into some, maybe some of the Kyle Seeger drama that you're hearing uh, out on the streets. And by the streets, I mean them Twitter streets. So, what do you drink before the show? I won't put this in. No, I had a Coors and a small glass of Henny. You had a small glass of Henny. I got myself a little bit of green, me called Always On Point. <laughs> Who are these fucking guys? Yeah, so thanks again for listening to episode zero. This is episode zero of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast.